Church is the engine of equitocracy. People are unique. Each of us is different. If you believe this, and there is no way you cannot disbelieve it or refute the claim, you stand at the beginning of a new reality, or alternatively, the continuation of an entrenched hypocrisy. Because it seems for most of us, this claim regarding human diversity is made on the basis of the subjective us, the individual I. We cling to the idea of individual uniqueness because we want to make it clear we are subjectively an individual. We, as an individual, are not part of the mob or the collective we. If we are each of us a unique creature, we ought to be thinking in ways other people do not think. Is there that many realities? We claim each person has a life of incalculable worth. Yet we engage in abortion, capital punishment, and euthanasia with too little thought. If we are unique, how are we equal? If we are equal, why celebrate diversity? The law states all persons are equal at least under the law, but how can we be equal even under the law if we all have different values and priorities? Are atheists and Muslims equal? Do they feel equal or experience equality? What does it mean to be equal when one is at the opposite end of a political spectrum? At minimum, if we are all equal, we ought to be able to measure divergence when it exists, otherwise regardless of the differences we claim exists, we must still be equal. If we are equal, no matter what happens to us or between us, the equality remains. This makes our idea of equality as useless as a word without a definition. If equality is the priority and the aim, why tolerate diversity let alone claim we celebrate it? The idea of hate speech is predicated on an assumption that we are all equal and any divergence from this state of equality, or any effort to highlight a distinction, or any to make a distinction more visible, is hate-motivated. In other words, in the minds of politicians, the attempt to drive a wedge between groups is hate-driven. Diversity is applauded unless it makes us different. We are all distinct yet not in any way that matters. Hate is implicitly the desire to be different or diverse. Hate is saying we are like this, but they are like that. Hate is finding a way to tell groups apart. Thus, hate is racist. But without the ability to define a racial difference, hate could not exist. How do we have hatred without diversity? On the other hand, hate causes the hater to view the hated group in monolithic or homogenous terms. Haters will make general claims about all whites being racists. Critical race theory, CRT, is the argument that history is best seen through the ongoing racial conflict between whites and blacks. CRT assumed there are two races and they are in conflict. Thus, CRT is a theory about how history can be explained through the lens of hate. Indeed, CRT assumes history is the record of how hate has impacted two races. The only thing CRT cannot explain is cooperation between the races, or even mutual tolerance. At the same time there is nothing in scripture that suggests equality of all persons ever existed. 
From the time of Adam and Eve there was the impression that those who obeyed God were in a different category than those who disobeyed. In fact, if anything is displayed more openly than the division between those of God and those of Satan, it is difficult to know what that might be. Many Christians argue God is a God of love. They think in the person of God there is forgiveness of sin. But they fail to acknowledge that this forgiveness is conditional. At no point is there a suggestion all persons might be saved. God's love encompasses all, but it is a love that does not permit forgiveness without repentance. Salvation requires a strong and conscious act of repentance on the part of the saved. The Bible is composed of two books, both books are about the saved and unsaved, or about good and evil, and who is who and which is which. In the Old Testament we have a chosen people and others who are depicted as outcast, the unclean. The outcasts in the Old Testament are often portrayed as worshippers of Baal and other unsavory gods. The division in the Old Testament is sharp and distinct, and it divides the chosen people from the remainder. In the New Testament we see a new division, but it is no less distinct. Good and evil still exist, and the saved and unsaved are the main protagonists. The division is depicted as between those of the church and those of the world. There is a perpetual battle between those who live by the flesh and those who live by the spirit. This conceptual war ultimately leads to a real war. The physical wages war upon the spiritual. The Bible makes it clear there is no center, no middle ground, no reconciliation, and no compromise. All compromise is those who are good seeding ground to those who are evil. There is no equality in God's mind. He is supreme and he has no equal. He picks who is saved and he makes no apologies for condemning others to an eternity in hell. This brings us to equity, which is the creation of value. If we assume those who create value have value, since they created value, how can we and they be equal? Some persons choose to consume more than they produce. Some persons have no value because their expenses exceed their productive capability. The existence of equity is problematical for those who argue we are all equal. Are we all equally without value? If we are all equal, what does it mean to produce value? If we produce much value, are we still equal with those who consume resources we produced? If producer and parasite are equal, what does equality mean? The concepts of producer and parasite do not correlate and indeed contradict each other. We can assume we have been created equal. We can believe we are equal at birth. Yet, we know God does not create clones. People are unique and they are unique because there are so many ways personal differences can be expressed. Civilization has only added to the ways people can diverge from each other. Let's assume one half of a group learn a skill and work at it. This group produces things that others find useful. Everyone in the group knows these producers have value because they are producing things that everyone wants and needs. 
The other half of the group specializes in crime. They learn different ways of taking what they value from those who produce the things of value. They hone their skills and develop different ways of living off of the ones who created things with value. No one sees any value in what this half of the population does. No matter how one looks at it, the reality is this group consumes wealth but does not produce it. Each person in the parasitic group reduces the amount of wealth available to the rest. To make the situation easier to understand imagine a population of just 10 persons. Half of the population makes pies, the other half do not. We do not know what this other half does precisely, except they do not do anything that contributes to the making of pies. But what they do gives them a claim on the pie. The situation that exists is that this group of ten has a pie made by five persons that is eaten by all ten. If any one of the five people who make the pie is omitted, the pie might not get made. All ten people see these five people have value. But if any one of the five, who do not contribute to the making of the pie, is omitted, the rest of the group will gain more pie and a larger share. This is why equality is not equity. Trying to create equality consume equity. The ability and willingness to create value will create equality if we all work equally hard. But the desire to create equality without making people accountable for their costs destroys equity. Only if we all agree making a pie or not making a pie means the same thing, do we retain equality where there is a difference in equity. Equality has to be measured in equity. If we view the church as the group of persons that believe in Christ, we must also view the church as the people who reject equality as a human right. Christians are saved by grace not by rights. There is no equality when it comes to salvation. Salvation is unearned by the sinner, but it is unearned because of the equity created by him who died to save us. We do not need to pay for our salvation because it is an act of charity. But this act implies available equity. Jesus earned the right to be the Messiah by his contrition. In salvation we are reborn as members of his kingdom and occupants of his church. But we are not equal to Christ. Nowhere in Scripture is anyone equal to God. We are not equal to God or to Christ nor to those chosen by God. We have equity or we are evil and equity is measurable. We and the unsaved are not equal. As the embodiment of the church, the faithful, by works of faith, build their own value in and through the church. The church has and is the value of its members. This value is created by the church building up itself, through works of faith done by the people of God. Ultimately this requires Christians to have faith in one another. How can we claim to have faith in the one we follow if we have no faith in the ones who follow him?